Hey everyone, how's it going? I have to mute. I told you the new system doesn't let you mute before the live show starts, so I needed to wait to uh, to mute. Sorry the show is 30 minutes late today. It's late because uh, I wasn't paying attention since the last show, but YouTube changed uh, the Creator Studio, which is the platform on which I do stuff in, and some stuff was different. So I had to uh, check that out and make sure we were all good to go. I didn't want to come across any problems when we started this. So how's it going? Episode 105 of Know Your Gear, uh, live QA. And uh, what a week this week's been. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. If you guys got stuff to talk about, uh, we'll be good to go. So let's see what else. What's going on? Okay, hold on a second. Uh, it says, uh, Tim says, hey, Phil, did you decide on American Musical CE24, uh, Irise Verde? Yet, I was on the fence, but I love that color. Saw uh, CE24 in Irise Verde and uh, did the pre-order. Got about $230 uh, off list price. Yeah, I really want, what he's talking about, guys, is uh, uh, Tim's talking about the fact that on American Musical, American Musical Supply, they have the semi-hollow CE24s. Let's make sure we're... I'm not getting a latency issue right now. Okay, cool. Uh, CE24s and Simi Hollow in Arise Verde Green, which is the color I have on my Custom 24, and uh, Mateo Blue. And I really want the Arise Verde Green in uh, Simi Hollow. Uh, Tim, I didn't because I've been waiting for them to get in stock because I wanted to see how much they weigh. So um, there's no uh, specifications on that. So maybe I can reach out, but they, they obviously don't know until they get them. So I'll have to see. Very, very interested on, in that guitar though. Um, that might be, because here's why. I need that guitar to be great because to buy the CE24 semi-hollow in Arise Verde, I got to sell my custom 24 uh, Arise Verde. So uh, there's just no reason to have two a receiver to green custom 24s and and budget wise it just doesn't make sense so um my receiver custom 24 is a 10 top so uh used it's going for what those go for new so it'd be nice i like the bolt-on uh, ce24 over the custom 24 that's just a preference so there is uh matt says i see a dr z back there what no, I'm just, yeah, I got, uh, if you guys follow on Instagram, I, uh, I, I launched a picture of this. I had to wait for it. It had to uh, clear pond clearance. We talked about this. This is the Maz 38. It's a 112 38 watt Dr. Z amp with reverb. And it has the attenuator in the back of it. it has the uh, Dr. Z attenuator added to it. Whoever had it before me uh, added that. Uh, love it. Love the amp. Um, so much so I'm thinking about getting the head, uh, the 18 watt head. Uh, when I say thinking, it's just just thinking. <laughs> so they are a pretty penny, and but they are beautiful sounding amps. Uh, very very uh, Vox ish, you know, right? I think that's what a lot of it is leaning towards, like Vox AC30 kind of vibe. Very cool, a little bit of grit, a little bit of clean. I, I love it. It's been exactly what I was looking for in a, an amp, and I think I talked about this uh, having the Helix, the Doctor Interstate setting was my favorite setting or is my favorite setting on the helix and uh, that really got me thinking about dr z amps and uh in interesting enough that was a used one sitting in the guitar store so when i tried it i was like oh it's awesome so i bought it but it had it was because it had to wait 20 days for pond clearance so i didn't get it until um the 20th so i think that's was it a couple days ago what day is it 22 days ago uh mosey says i prefer my custom 24 but i do not but i do understand why some prefer the c24 yeah you know what it is my 
my kind of instinct is to say the custom 24 sounds a little bigger or warmer sounding but the c24 is just a guitar I like it's like a super strat it just feels great to me i really 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 enjoy it uh, a lot it's probably my that my favorite two prs guitars that i own by far are my custom 24 uh the reclaimed ce24 and my Mira, which are both uh, kind of like stripped down, kind of lesser expensive PRSs. I tend to kind of gravitate towards those. So uh, that's that's the uh, that's kind of like my thing is their mid price guitars. Um, okay, hold on. I'm looking for another question real quick. And then I got some stuff to talk about. Hold on. I'm just reading through. You guys put a lot of comments real fast all of a sudden. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a long time to go quiet. Paul, Paul wants to know, have I tried the Vox Mini Beetle? And if so, what do I think? I haven't tried it. It's literally been in every guitar center. Every time I walk into a guitar center, they have the mini, the Vox Mini Beetle amp. I haven't tried it. Um, you know what it is? Uh, actually, when I bought the Dr. Z amp, they had a hand-wired Vox AC15 there, sitting there as well. And uh, when I was waiting for somebody to help me ring up for that, I plugged in and tried that to say, hey, maybe, you know, since I like this, maybe I like the Vox, you know, as much. And I played the Vox. And the Vox amps just are great. They sound great. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, the Dr. Z just had it for me. That's what it is. It's got the Vox chime, but it's a little bassier and thumpier. Uh, and I like that a lot. So, uh, that's how that worked. It's just, it, cause it, trust me, it sucks. Cause this was, was a lot more money than the Vox stuff. Although I, this used, uh, was, um, about what a, a new Vox goes for. Um, and Matt Bud says, although the MAZ 18 sounds great. Right, that's the 18 watt version of that amp, uh, but tough to get a good, loud, cleanish sound. I, you know, I don't know. I heard that somebody said that before to me when I talk about this one. This is the 38, and the clean on this, the this amp is psychotically loud. Uh, and I, I, I saw a lot of reviews of the 18, and everybody said it was really loud. I can imagine this is loud. Um, I was playing this today. This this 38 watt amp was, I mean, it was just loud. So, uh, you know. It, it just really cuts and the clean holds its headroom pretty high too. But so, you know, I want this amp for the little bit of breakup. I don't want it to be clean. I want it to break up a little bit. I have fenders that will stay clean. Uh, I like amps like this, like the Vox Marshall kind of thing where the clean has a little crisp, like a uh, kind of break at the end of it. So that when you hit hard, you know, with those big power chords or something, you get a little bit of breakup at the end. Or if you play lighter, you can get cleaned up a lot. So there you go. Uh, guitar amps and pedals says, Hey Phil, which would you go for the PRS SE Zach Myers or the Paul's guitar? Um, do you mean the Paul's guitar SE model? Um, I don't know, but if I was going to bet, I would bet that I'm about to review a Paul's guitar. <laughs> so, uh, I can tell you what I think of the Paul's guitar very soon. So in fact, I'm going to be doing a, a couple cool videos like that. But I don't know which one's better too. I've never tried the Paul's guitar, uh, so but I'm about to, and then I can tell you what I think of because I have tried the Zach Myers guitars, and so I'll be able to give you a rush. Uh, so ask me in a couple weeks. Uh, let's see. 
All right, let's hold on. Uh, Mark is a cards fan says, Hey, Phil, are you considering the Freeman JJ jr? Uh, you know, I talked about this. I was thinking about getting that or maybe reaching out to those guys. See if they let me uh, check one out and review it. Um, I didn't get a chance to do that. It was a busy week for me. It was really busy. And, um, because we were doing, I'm doing the amp build stuff. I did the finish the lacquer video. Uh, I got the G and L guitar. So I did that video. That'll be coming very soon too. And uh, I'm not going to do any spoilers on that, but just say that there is a GNL guitar. It is here. I have reviewed it already, and uh, that's all done. I did an unboxing slash review. I did all in one kind of thing. Uh, went and detailed with it. And uh, so the question is, no, I haven't reached out to them about that yet. Um, but I'm really curious about the amp. I really enjoyed it when I checked it out at the NAMM show. Like I said, um, my first instincts, not being able to compare it, was I liked it more than I liked the the Runt Twenty. Uh, Mark Lopez says, have you tried a slick guitar? I have two slick guitars that I've tried. Uh, one, I did the Sharpen My Axe video. I'll put a link when I do the index if you want to watch that review. And uh, Ballant, uh, who's an amazing uh, viewer, has sent a couple guitars for Sharpen My Axe videos. And that was one. The slick Telecaster uh, video is uh, is already, uh, I already filmed it. It just needs editing. And uh, that uh, is uh, probably going to go out this week as well. Um, this week was a little light on the reviews. Next week will be a little heavy on the reviews. And um, uh, that that is, uh, so uh, you'll have to hold out to see what I think about the telly. Obviously, the Sharp Max one, we gave that one away to a viewer. And uh, you can watch that video and see what I think about that one. Um, but that one I liked a lot. Yeah, G Burgess says, finally received that GNL. Yeah, I got it. Um, I just don't want to, I feel horrible if I talk about anything negative or positive because I don't want to ruin the review. All right. I really, I really, cause it's an unboxing slash review. So it's my first opinions of opening the guitar and the experience I had then. And I don't want to leak any of that out. Uh, but that is the next video that will be out. I'll be editing that up and putting that out. Um, if I had enough time, which I didn't today to edit it today, I would have put it up actually in, my goal was to say, Hey, during the live show going, Hey, it will be the video I put up, you know, right after the live show. But so I don't think I'll wait until Monday to get it up. If I get it, if I get it all finished up tonight, I'll put it out uh, as soon as I get, I get it finished editing, maybe tomorrow or Sunday. Okay. Uh, Grimy Snapdragon says, Hey, Phil, love the channel. Thank you, buddy. Says, ever heard of Lindy Fralin pickups, uh, blade pickups? Yeah, I've installed a, a few of those. Uh, love Lindy Fralins. They're, they're expensive. Every time... Uh, this is, uh, this is an interesting thing. Every time I've ever picked up a guitar and, uh, on repair and played it, like especially tellies and stuff, but anytime I pick up a guitar and I played it and I go, wow, that sounds amazing. It ended up always having Lindy Fralins in it, which is weird. Why I don't own a set of Lindy Fralins in a guitar. I, I don't know what that, why that is, why I've never done it, why I've never ordered a set for myself. But I, every time I've ever had a guitar in my hands with Lindy Fralins, I was always like, wow, I like these pickups a lot. It's weird how that works sometimes. Um, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. Uh, in fact, some of the, one of the best tellies I ever played in my life was a crook telly. If you guys know what crook tellies, uh, Brad, Pes pa Brad Paisley, hold on guys. Brad Paisley used to play crook tellies, uh, crook guitars, and they came in Paisley and a customer, uh, brought me a 
purple paisley crook telly that had lindy frelins in it and it was still to this day probably one of the best playing sounding tellies i've ever played so and i remember like i remember since i played i go oh, this is amazing and i think he told me it was like four grand or five grand i don't know what it was but i remember it was like oh yeah yeah that's that's why uh that's why it's good <laughs> right I'm never shocked when, right? I don't know about you guys. I'm never shocked when somebody goes, oh, this is $5,000 guitar. Isn't it great? I'm like, well, it's $5,000. I would imagine if it wasn't great, then you'd be really upset. <laughs> so it's it's supposed to be great at that price point. Uh, but speaking of pickups, you know, that's something to talk about too. Did you guys see this week, This uh, the Offender announcement? They released a set of hand-wound set of three pickups for $500 uh, that are hand-wound by... Uh, I forgot her name, but I think she's Abigail Yabaras. Maybe that's maybe uh, um, understudy or something. I don't know. I didn't, but I was. I, I'm just curious what you guys think of $500 hand wound single coil strap pickups. A set of pickups for 500 bucks. Is, is that a is that an obnoxious amount of money? Pickups. I, I sometimes I feel like pickups. They're getting more expensive very quickly with pickups. I feel like every time I say, I think I know what pickups cost and I say it out loud, I go look online and go, Oh, that's not what they cost. I still think Seymour Duncan's and DiMaggio's cost like 65 to $75. And then I go and look on and I go, Oh, they're a little bit more than that. So really curious. I was in shock. I was, and then what's so interesting was when I was watching their, their video about it, I was reading a lot of the comments and a lot of the comments were like, wow, that's a lot of money for some, some pickups. So just curious if anyone's seen that or not, maybe I'll put a link to that. When I do the index, you can tell me in the comments, what you guys think of the, $500 Fender pickups. A lot of people said, Hey, it's like a cash grab. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how special they are. Um, what I will tell you is though, is I had a, a set of Abigail Yabara custom shop pickups originally in my Fender custom shop copper strat and I didn't like them. So I took them out and sold them. And, uh, my buddy Matt also had a set of Abigail's and he didn't like them and sold them. And that wasn't obviously cause she did bad work. She's, you know, she's known for what she's known for a reason, but they were both, uh, pickups had the same issue. There were fifties era re recreation pickups and they were very bright and I'm not into the fifties era single coil pickups. I'm definitely into sixties era, the fatter mid rangey uh, pickups. So, uh, Jamie De Dewey says I paid $300 for Lawler's, uh, not sad about either. Yeah. See to me, like that's what I'm getting at. It's weird to me when mainstream companies like Fender who make great quality stuff get to charge beyond boutique prices. See, when I think when I, if you told me what's an expensive set of three, you know, single coil pickups, you know, as a boutique, like, you know, like Lindy Fralin or Lawler, right. Or, uh, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Joe Barden, right. You, you think of uh, pickups like that. You think expensive, you think $300, maybe three fifty, And, uh, and so five seemed high to me. So, and it was weird that it was Fender. It's just weird to see that. So I was just curious, you know, I always like to get a beat on the community. Uh, you know, if you guys all say, Hey, no, $500 is a great deal. I'd be like, yeah, maybe I need to rethink that. So, uh, you know, that's how prices work. I always think funny price people react to prices always with this absolute, you know, kind of attitude about it. Absolutely. $500 is ridiculous. Absolutely. No guitar should cost more than $200. No guitar should cost more than $3,000. What I love about that is what gives me perspective now having the videos out there on YouTube is I get to read a lot of the comments that people put. And I, I always laugh when I'll do a video of a $3,000 guitar and I'll get, you know, dozens of comments saying no guitar should ever cost $3,000. That's it's all just, it's a joke. Any guitar with thousand dollars ridiculous. And then what makes me laugh is I'll look on another video because the comments come to me and uh, I don't know if you guys, if you guys do YouTube, you'll know a lot of the comments don't come directly by the videos. They come in order of all the videos. That's why it's hard for me to see them because they're coming in like, 
a barrage of all the videos that are out there and and they just tell me what video they're linked to and then i'll look at another comment and i'll do a video of like a 300 guitar and somebody go no guitar should cost 300 any guitar over 150 is ridiculous and i always laugh because i'm not because anybody's wrong but because i'm like isn't it funny how everybody sets that in their head and then that's the absolute and uh i don't think it's that easy i think it's it's if you want it, you come up with a reason to justify it. That's how it works, man. Uh, uh, and the reason I say that is because most of the guitars that I own that I love, I didn't want to pay what I paid for them. Like it, I had to convince myself to pay that. I wasn't very rarely did I buy a guitar that I that I really wanted, and <laughs> all of a sudden I get the price and it's way less. You know what I mean? Uh, that happens, but not very likely. I don't know if you guys have experienced that. You know, when you're like, I I love this guitar. I hope it's a thousand bucks, and they're like, no, it's three hundred dollars. Like, oh. That's amazing. Most of the time it's like, no, it's 1800. And you're like, oh, 18. Okay. This is crazy. <laughs> so, and you get there somehow. Somehow you get there. Okay. So, that being said, got a couple pin questions. And uh, first one is from Gunky Zip says, cramming two Qs. <laughs> I want a hot rod. Oh, two questions. So, he's cramming two questions here. Okay. That's great. Uh, I want a hot rod and a junk Jackson Warrior. Uh, Oh, no, I'm reading it wrong. I'm thinking Hot Rod Legamp. What they're saying is they want a hot rod, a, their junky, uh, he's saying like junked up, junked up Jackson Warrior guitar with a Sustaniac. Thoughts? Um, so we'll handle that question first. I love Sustaniacs. They're really cool. Um, the uh, It's one of the few things I don't own in a guitar. And uh, it's because I, I never think about installing them. I always think about like, wouldn't it be great if I can find a guitar that has one in there? Uh, Schecter has some guitars with Sustaniacs. Um, I, the Joe Satrani guitar has a Sustaniac in it. I really want that guitar. It's expensive. See, talking about expensive. And um, I think about it. If I was going to get a guitar with a Sustaniac, it would definitely be that Joe Satrani. Uh, and I, I could see myself doing that eventually uh, at some point. Um, but uh, so to answer your question, I think installing that's great. I think the Sustaniacs are cool. Um, some people who have them are like, hey, they're one trick pony kind of thing. This is true, but it's a cool effect. It's, if it's an effect you want, it's a cool effect. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Um, and plus, uh, they're interesting to install. I've installed a couple of them for customers years ago. I haven't done one in probably about five years. They're cool. Uh, so also, uh, want to refinish an all blue as snow white. Wait, you want to refinish the all blue as snow white with blue bevels. Oh, okay. So you just want to refinish it? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, again, you know, Gunky uh, Zip, this is a great question because it's, uh, I like this, the topic of the question more than the actual question. The question really, the thing he's getting at, and this is where it's nice to have a community to talk to back and forth with the comments and stuff, is should you dump money into this cheap guitar? That's really what everybody's, you know, the whole internet now is of just a, a blaze with videos like this. You know, hey, I put $500 into a $200 guitar. There's an age gap with mentalities there's an age gap so what happens is uh, older older players will go hey they're used to the old adage don't put good money after bad in other words don't fix up a squire just go buy a real fender again nothing wrong with that logic just it's logic so it's, it's a type of logic i'm noticing younger players now are saying hey why buy a three thousand dollar custom fender guitar if i can buy a three hundred dollar guitar shove a thousand dollars within into it make it as good as that guitar and i only have thirteen hundred dollars into it Old logic was the good money after bad. Well, the reason you don't do that is because the thirteen hundred guitar is still only worth three hundred dollars. You just wasted a thousand. Um, you know that that's great. Uh, like I said, I like to argue every side. 
that that's a great and there's a logic to that because there is definitely that you guys anybody who knows the channel and especially this the qa's any link knows that my wife's pet peeve with me is when i shove a lot of gear into guitars because she knows that that's where you lose your money you know i can buy a, a fender strat and i can sell it and you know and and you know you retain a lot of value but if i shove 500 dollars worth of stuff in a fender strat i'm gonna lose that money um however non-marring modifications in other words modifications that you don't have to drill holes in guitars anymore that's getting easier and easier for everybody so what i'm what what you're talking about though is i mean obviously you're going to paint the guitar and put a sustainiac in it it's there here is my answer to you and that's uh, so for my my 10 my two cents if you love the guitar put money into it you'll love it more my only my only advice to people who are going to modify guitars is if the if the point of modification isn't to learn something that's always a, that has a value to itself if your point is the guitar is horrible and you're going to try to fix it up, I will tell you from experience, the majority of the time you will be unhappy. If you hate the guitar now, making it better won't make it better. It'll just be a better thing you hate, right? It'll be like you hate it a little less, but you still hate it. If you like it, you can continue to, you and you add to it, you'll love it more because again, you can make good to better, but it's you can't get bad to good. It's just really tough. Some of you are going to probably have comments right now about how you, know, you took a chunky guitar and made it great. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm talking about the, the 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 average, right? So the question back to you is, if you love that Jackson guitar, shove some money into it. I think you'll be happy. Um, but if you don't, don't try to make yourself like it. Um, and the reason I say that is because I, I have seen myself and many guitar players do this where they take a guitar that isn't a piece of junk. It's a great guitar. And shove money into it to make it better and still not love it. It had nothing to do with the quality guitar. Just if you didn't like it, you just can't, it's not going to change anything. So there, there you go. Uh, Q extra. I just like to get some different kind of comments on this Q extra. Or, or, I'm going to say extra, uh, says polishing a turd is pointless. Uh, yes. And that's, again, that's the adage on that, right? You know, it's like, Hey, you know, good money after bad, <laughs> you got this junk guitar. Don't try to fix it up. Um, it's tough because again, you have to take in consideration that the times have changed. You, you know, you, you can upgrade a guitar really easily, but here is my, again, to that point. And I like, that's why I like reading these different points. Cause that's a different perspective. I'm not for or against any of these, by the way, I have to, I have to take every consideration, which means and me personally, again, I have a cheap guitar. I have a $99 Squire bullet that I shoved money into. So, I mean, it, it's true. It's my guitar. It wasn't done for a video. I didn't do it for any reason. I just like this Squire bullet for some reason. I reviewed this Squire bullet, uh, three years ago or two and a half years ago. It's one of the first videos I ever did on the channel. And I liked it. I liked it so much that I left it alone for like two years, played it as it is. And then out of nowhere, I just started putting stuff in it. Cause I decided I liked it one day and, uh, I play it. Um, the point of that is that's my point. So although I could argue, don't put all this money into a $99 Squire bullet, I like the guitar. So I decided to finally do it. So that's my, my, my point to that. But there is a lot of validity to, if you shove money into garbage, you'll still have garbage again, polishing a turd, you know, and that's the whole thing. You can't take good or bad to good in most cases, but you can take good to great. I think you can. <laughs> you guys are funny. The great chill shaker says you can polish the turd, but it'll still st stink. Yeah. Eh, right. Uh, uh, dirt racer X says everybody needs a $99 squire. I don't know if everyone needs one. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny when I bought that guitar, I bought that guitar literally to do that video. I was just needing a guitar and I went through all these squires and there was like 12 or 13 of them. And I picked this one out and it was the best one of the bunch. And, uh, I loved it. 
it just worked out great for me. Um, and that's why I kept it. I kept it and kept playing it. Um, Dirt Racer X says, you got to have a guitar you don't mind scratching. Yeah, that's, for me, that's most of my guitars. Um, I don't think I own, uh, yeah, you know, probably the gem right here. There's no blemishes or anything on that gem. Oh, I don't know right there. There for the, anybody watching the podcast or listening to podcast, I'm pointing out a floral gym right now. Um, and maybe some like the Eddie Van Halen guitar. Most of my guitars have a blim in them. That's the easy part. So I play them. Yeah, that's the whole point. I don't like it if they have a blim, but you can't stop it. Yeah, see, so, uh, a 64 T bird. Hey, a 64 T bird, like the car. Uh, you can't lipstick on a pig. Yeah, there's a ton of those things, and those adages are around for a reason because they're they're valid. They they make sense, right? Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, all of us, especially us, you know, that grew up fixing cars. I grew up, you know, fixing my own car. You know, I had, you know, I remember the first time my car wouldn't start. I had to replace the starter, then you replace the alternator, and this is how this goes, right? And the next thing you know, you're doing an engine rebuild. That's just, you know, on a transmission rebuild. And at some point, a lot of us get to the point where you're like, look, man, you know, I can buy a car for what I'm just shoving into a car. So yeah, that's where the good money after bad logic comes from. But again, if you love that car, continue. I, I see, I have friends that love a car so much, they'll just, they, they probably put five times what the car's worth into the car, but they still drive it every day for 20, 30 years, 40 years. So, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> but Bud, Bud Ehole says 105 episodes and, and Phil's pointing uh on the spot finally yeah maybe it's i'm getting used to the fact that what i see is reverse of what you know you know because i'm looking at a mirror so it's reverse of what i'm saying so that's good that's good that you caught that yeah uh maybe by 200 episodes i can stop saying uh <laughs> the uh what joe rogan said I said this thing and it stuck with me. He said he was talking about somebody. It doesn't matter. And he was saying that they're really smart and you can tell because they don't even say, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yep. And when I do the live show, everybody's like, you say, uh, and I go, yeah, I have to, because I, when I'm not saying anything, I'm reading when you're listening to it, you don't know if it's stopped or what happened. So I try to make vocal sounds to keep, to keep guys understand that nothing's frozen on the screen. Maybe I should just wave at you when I'm reading and not make any sounds. Uh, Let's see. Next question. Uh, Bruce. Bruce wants to know, when sending frets, do you need to keep the radius? Yes, you do need to do that. That's why they have sanding blocks that you can radius with. Uh, I like to, especially if you're sanding all the frets. If you're polished, you know, like when you did that, again, that link I did where I, I talked about the uh, slick guitar, where we just tagged a couple frets real easy. Um, yes, definitely want to keep the frets uh, in the same same. Uh, radius as the fretboard at least that's the way i like to do it um i've seen some uh luthiers not do it that way and uh, that's what i love about this you know i love it when people put comments like yeah that's not how you do it well that's not how you do it but i've seen a ton of ways to do things um and there's a couple things that i do that i've been told are wrong and i've just been doing them for a decade and i love the i love the results so i do it and there's a couple things that i when i see other luthiers i go they're doing it wrong and i'm sure they could say the same thing to me hey we like the results um so again, you know, if you get the good results doing it, but me personally, when I'm sanding frets, I like to keep them radius to the board. So I use a lot of, uh, I'll use a sanding block uh, with, if I'm doing, especially if I'm doing all the frets and then I'll crown them and stuff. Uh, Matt Bud says, just watch the hidden gym video. Now thinking about buying an Ibanez RT650, uh, they still compare it well to Sir? Question mark. 
Uh, how about compared to the new AZ line? Oh, good question. So what he's talking about is a video. I almost regret making that video. That's when the channel was much smaller and I had this great idea of divulging, you know, like, hey, did you know this guitars exist out there? And what happened with that video was that was the first video I ever did where I said, hey, look at this guitar you can get for 300 bucks anywhere. And then now you look back and that guitar's now five times what they were going for then. Uh, not in all cases, but they, they went up for a while. Now they've mellowed out because the video mellowed out. So, um, so the, the question is, uh, the RT series by Ivan is are great because they're usually Alder bodies. They don't have Floyds and they kind of compare to the Sir type guitars, the Tom Anderson vibe guitars. And they're made in Japan. Very good deals uh, until, of course, we talk about it again. And then now the they go up again. Uh, you know who is you know who is the king of that uh, Scott Grove. You know I used to when you watch Scott Grove used to I used to think oh no every time he would mention a guitar you would watch like the stock market you could watch guitars go up and uh, it's just because when you bring something to somebody's light you know it's you know, ten thousand people watch a video it only takes you know a hundred of them to to drive up a price of something so um, to answer your question yeah I still think they compare to sir the question about how they compare to the AZ line I don't think they compare to the AZ line not from quality standpoint but the AZ line has a totally different feeling neck to me um, one of the reasons I want an Ibanez AZ is because the neck is the most unique Ibanez neck I've ever played it's very flat and it doesn't it's not like the wizard necks it's not thin and it's not a C-shaped neck uh, like uh, the RT series size. So it's its own kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, to me, it's almost more, it's more like a Sir guitar and a Charvel kind of vibe. And I hate saying that because I'm sure some of you guys with Sirs and Charvels will say it's not like that. I don't think it's exactly like that either. It's just ish. It's Charvel-ish, Sir-ish. So can you say Sure-ish? Sure-ish? I mean, it's a good time to drink. Okay. Uh <laughs> Matt Wells says, hey again, Phil, I'm still fairly, fairly new uh, to the pedal game and I want to buy my first fuzz pedal. And uh, I, if I'm only going to buy one, which one would you recommend? Oh man, isn't that, don't you love that question? That's like the best question ever on a gear channel because right now there is 612 musicians and at least uh, 200 of them are already have what pedal they would recommend. So first, uh, if you're going to have fuzz pedal, you're going to have one. So I'm going to give you two answers. I think that's fair. I'll give you my, if I can only have one fuzz pedal, what I'd pick and the fuzz pedal, I think you should pick because it's a good pedal to start with because there is no such thing as only one fuzz pedal, <laughs> maybe one for now, but eventually you grow and you change and you, you kind of find things you like. Um, I like the big muff uh, fuzz pedals. If you're going to go for the one, the reason is is fuzz face is another iconic one, but to me, fuzz face pedals are, are, are great. They love stratty kind of guitars, but they're not really big on the, on the less are the uh, Gibson, uh, you know, humbucker kind of pickups. Um, and they're a little, um, they're a little, they're a little kind of, bitchy <laughs> you know the fuzz face pedals they it's a it's a, like a great or horrible kind of thing and i love them for that but if you're only gonna have one fuzz i don't think i want to pick a temperamental fuzz they also react really really differently to having a buffered pedal in front of them so something else to think about the big muff is the, probably the most common most forgiving kind of like everybody knows it's kind of a great pedal um i have the mini one that's a great one uh but uh believe it or not the fuzz pedal that i use all the time and i have a lawrence petros uh green russian that i love but if i was going to pick one fuzz pedal that i only use um i'm looking because you know I, i'm going to tell you right now it's it's probably going to be the javelina fuzz by way huge i just like that pedal but i can't recommend it because it's not what a lot of people think a traditional fuzz should sound like i just really like it 
It's really cool. It's really light. I like the fuzz on the light end of it because I use a fuzz to uh, run in front of overdrive. Uh, and uh, Grimy Snapdragon says, I was thinking about the fuzz face. Yeah, the fuzz face is great. The other problem with fuzz face is too, is you have different ones, right? You have the blue one, you have the red one, and then you have the Eric Johnson one, and then I have the Jimi Hendrix one. And, uh, you know, it gets a little crazy. Um, so... Uh, super con uh, con conductor says the big muff sounds like a dirty movie from the seventies. Yeah. Well, see to me, the big muff, uh, is, is about the fact that it really is uh, when most people think about a fuzz, how fuzz pedal is going to sound. That's it. Right. Like it's, you know, to me in pedal world, it's like a, it, it's the equivalent in the amp world of being a fender amp or a Marshall amp. You know what I mean? Or, or a Mesa boogie amp is being an iconic sound that most musicians, when they hear it, they go, oh yeah, that's what that is. So to me, uh, the fuzz face and the big muff are definitely fuzz pedals that when you hear them, you go, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. So uh, I don't know how to say it. Kate, Kato, Kiatik, 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 I don't know, one. <laughs> K-A-O-T-I-Q, chaotic, chaotic one, see? This is like when I'm driving down the freeway and you got to read license plates. Chaotic one says, I don't care for fuzz pedals. You know what's funny? I, I can tell you that I personally did not own a fuzz pedal until about seven years ago, six years ago. And it was just one of those things. Uh, I was like looking around one day and I was thinking about the fact that so many people buy fuzz pedals and there's thousands of versions of them. I'm like, how can everybody love these things if I think they're horrible? And um, so I came to this conclusion that I had to learn more about fuzz pedals. And what I did was I, I go, who do I listen to that uses fuzz? And, you know, why am I not using it then? And for, so for me, the first band that uses fuzz was Weezer. That I, Don't get me wrong. I know Hendrix and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying Weezer was like the, oh, yeah, they use fuzz. I love Weezer, you know, right? So I got a fuzz pedal and I started playing Weezer songs. And then I learned, for me, the magic of the fuzz, which is like what Slash and Eric Johnson and uh, those guys use, which is just to run it in front of a lightly overdrive amp and you get this creamy soloy kind of goodness and I love it. And I couldn't imagine now not ever having a fuzz again. So that's why I like it. Uh, don't feed gangplank. K says Weezer. Yes, Weezer. So uh, let's see. Uh, Cause why not? Uh, I don't know how to say it, man. Kianaki says Big Muff has a controversial name, just like the naughty pedal we spoke about last night. Yeah, of course. It was, you know, it was the, it's that, it's the, uh, what is it, the 12 year old boy? He, 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 aren't I saying something bad kind of thing? I, I understand that stuff. Um, it, but it is what it is. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, what to do. Uh, I, I'm sure just like, uh, a lot of the Freeman amps had to be turned into letters like the BE 100 and the PT 20, it'll eventually be the, uh, the BM. <laughs> It'll be the BM battle. I don't know. Right. I mean, things change. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but the problem is it's an iconic pedal. So it's not going to go anywhere. They just, I don't know, change the name. So double entendre. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just that we're full of them. So, you know, as an industry, there's just tons of this stuff. You, I think what's funny is not that how dirty the pedal names and the stuff is. It's how, how a lot of you probably don't know that a lot of stuff that doesn't seem like it's dirty, that's a dirty name too, believe it or not. So um, there you go. Uh, okay, next go to, let's go, let's find another question. We got, we got Rock and Roll Bruno says, enjoying the live stream. 
uh, and all the content. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate it. He's just throwing something in the tip jar, so to speak. Uh, Bruce says, is fret fingerboard feel more important than versus shape? Um, so, uh, yeah, I want to read that just to make sure I'm understanding it. The fret fingerboard is the feel of it. It's the feel of the frets and the fingerboard more important to the versus the shape. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and, and make sure I understand your question correctly so we can talk about this. Uh, in my mind, you're asking me like a 12 inch radius, a flat radius is that, and it versus a nine and a half around radius is that as important as maybe, uh, you know, the frets and how they feel and the shape being like, uh, uh, you know, like vintage tall or, or, uh, vintage or, you know, uh, frets. I think frets to me are, are more important to me than radius on fretboards. Um, and I know this because on the GNL I ordered, uh, that I did this, I can talk about because uh, I said it in the video, and this isn't really alluding to anything. Um, I, I said had to say this in the video when I did it. I specified that they be mini, medium jumbo frets, but I didn't spe specify the radius. I actually told GNL like either this radius is that radius, a twelve or a nine and a half. I don't care which one. Of course, you have to watch the video to figure out which one they gave me. But the point is, I mentioned in there that I had to read the card to see what radius was because I told them that I don't care about either one of those is fine for me. It just was really important that the, the frets be medium jumbo. I am not a vintage fret wire person. I do not like small frets and i don't like jumbo frets so it's the it's the uh, uh goldilocks and the three bear syndrome you know what i mean i don't like the frets to be too tall i don't like the frets to be too short i kind of like them right in the middle and that's very important to me and i also like the frets to feel really glassy and smooth uh which is why a lot of people like stainless steel frets because they feel like glass they have no almost no friction when you're doing bending and stuff i love that um so i like uh the frets to feel really really nice so yeah frets are very important to me which is why I think that's a good argument for cheap guitars because you can spend a little time polishing frets and make cheap guitars feel a little better. Um, okay. Super Mecha Death... <laughs> Christ. Man, you guys have the weirdest names. Okay. Super Mecha... Fine. Uh, all right. Uh, says Phil. Phil, help me. That's what I gleamed on to by the way i saw the phil help me so i thought we should help him out it says i have a charvel pro mods socal and a katana okay so he's got the made in mexico charvel and a katana amp when i have it on lead i get hum until i touch metal on the guitar but i plug in the jackson and the hum is a lot lower uh doesn't do it on clean help okay great so uh instinctively so you know or actually initially i didn't mean instinctively initially you should always be the ground of your guitar. So touching your string should always ground out the guitar. A lot of times people will lift up their hands off the guitar and they'll say, hey, I'm getting a little hum. And they go, that's actually normal. You just put your hands back on the strings. You should ground out to some degree. Too much hum is not is, is wrong. So in this case, you and especially since you have another guitar that's not as loud, it sounds to me like you have a ground wire. Uh, and a lot of times the ground wire that it's broken is the ground wire to the bridge. So you need to make sure that you're, you have a, you're obviously go through your electronics, make sure all your grounds are connected and everything's fine there. And then also make sure that there is a ground wire connected to your bridge. Now on your guitar, I don't uh, I didn't know the specs. I'm going to say you have the Floyd Rose, but if you have the hardtail, if you have the hardtail, you'll have a wire and you need to actually take the strings off and make sure the wire is touching the hardtail bridge and going in there. If you have the Floyd, just make sure your wire is connected to the uh, claw of the Floyd, soldered on there and then soldered to the loop. That should be a big part of that. And then also, also follow that connection. So make sure that whatever that wire is soldered to on the potentiometer and stuff, follow that to make sure that there's a ground that, that there's a common ground all the way through the the uh, the, the uh, 
the electronics. I want to say the product, but the electronics. So it sounds like a ground issue is to me, uh, obviously. So, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Michael Cost says, my handle is tough. Uh, I choose it because it's my name. Yeah, <laughs> it does make it easier. Um, although some of these names are, are uh, fun to kind of figure out. Like I said, I'm going to get... Uh, I'm going to have to tell my wife, we're going to have to start playing the license plate game when you're driving because I'm going to get good after years of reading these. Uh, David says, GNL guitars, question mark. Yeah, uh, if you weren't here earlier, um, David, uh, yes, I have the guitar. I reviewed it already. Uh, I just have to edit the review. Um, and it's not going to be a long to do because the review is, uh, it's an open, I did an unboxing and then a review just to give you sound samples and stuff. So I just need to, kind of like you know trim it up send it out um oh slim pack uh slim picks jack says hey phil love the channel thank you man i appreciate that says is there a difference in quality in stainless steel frets you know i don't know that's a good question um my guess would be yes because there's different qualities in stainless steel isn't there right isn't there different degrees like anything like that there's going to be uh like, a, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not a machinist, so I don't know. Um, but I want to get, I'm going to say, yes, uh, it would, it would make sense to me that since frets, which are nickel brass kind of frets have different qualities, right? Like Paul Reed Smith on the record saying that his nickel brass frets are the second hardest ones he can get. Um, that there's one stage harder than that, you know, through the, through the mixture of the metals. Um, and then stainless is even harder than that. And he doesn't feel that you need stainless. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just telling you, that's what he said. And, uh, I would imagine stainless has different levels. And the reason I say that is because I notice on guitars now, like with the Harley Bittons being $300 with stainless, and then of course high-end guitars being with stainless, there's got to be different grades of stainless, but I could be totally wrong. Maybe that's just a one thing all. It's a good question. Um, yeah, see, uh, Maddie K USA says there are different qual uh, quality levels of stainless steel. Yes, yeah, I would imagine, like I said. So I would imagine if there's different quality levels of stainless steel, then there would have to be logically different levels of stainless steel frets i would just imagine plus you know it, it's a no-brainer in today's day and age you know it's just like wood everything you're right wood uh metal plastic there's different grades different qualities and uh and that's what they how they can change price really quickly they can also change quality of the materials so the question is whether or not the lowest grade is stainless Here's my question, which we could probably, let's see if we can do some research somehow. Uh, I'll reach out and see what I can do. I would like to know if the lowest grade of stainless is still much better than the highest grade of nickel silver. So that'd be my guess. My answer, my guess would be yes. So. So, uh, and then somebody was saying, hey, where we got? Arcos 55 says th uh, 316 stainless is is tough stuff. No magnetics. Yeah. So again, I, I would imagine that that's how it works. Yeah. There. And so again, you guys are awesome. Uh, chaotic one says there is 304 and 316. Again, this is great. Um, it's, uh, it's great that, uh, that, uh, that you guys, I knew you guys out there. That's what's great about this. Sometimes, you know, I have wood questions sometimes and other questions and you guys, you guys are out there and you guys know that stuff and it's great. We can get resources. Thank you for that. Um, Let's see. And Alex says, Hey, Phil, how did you, uh, how do you fix raised fretboard grain? You have to sand it. 
the uh, Alex, I think this is a question we've talked about in the past. I think you answered, or you asked it, right? Uh, and I had to do it to one of my fenders. And the question would became uh, how to do a video on that. And um, so what we did was we started working on the video on that. The problem is, is we're banking up all these repair videos, as the guy's talking about. We're just, just debating on how to release them. The, the other thing that's happening, which we haven't talked about because it's, it's just something that it's, it's coinciding with this. So, you know, Michael Shy has been building the new website. There's a new website being built. Um, and uh, I believe, well, I don't believe he has until April to build it until the end of this month, because that's how it works, right? They, they have our current website up and he's building a new one and he's building it from scratch and he's been working night and day. I hope you guys, uh, you know, can uh, give him a thumbs up and say, Hey Mike, you know, cause he's been working man, like crazy building this website. Uh, the new website obviously have a lot of features and one of the features is we'll be able to upload content to it. And that's what we're talking about. Like maybe, you know, we'll put stuff on YouTube, but we want to really put things in. I, I don't want just random repair videos on YouTube. That's great. But what I see on YouTube, when I did the video on Melissa, and that's something that Melissa and I had talked about when we did the video was she said she became very frustrated as a, as a hobbyist with the whole, you know, you type search this type search that it would be really great if there was, everything was in like folders, you know, not just playlists, but like literally concise this direction. Um, so we talked about that. Um, and how to do that. So that's what we're executing right now. So the raised fret fretboard thing became that. So the answer is easy. You have to send the fretboard. The, the, it's not that hard, um, but uh, I did a video on how to do that. And we just got to figure out how to put that. Again, we're star mapping this out. I'd like to do this all the right way. Um, I know you guys would like that to be now. Uh, I would like it to be now, but I'd like it to be the right way. I would really hate to do this and then have to go back and fix all the mistakes we've done. So there you go, Alex, but sanding it is the, uh, the, the only way you can do it. Um, uh, Waterford giant says, Phil, I'm in Phoenix. Need to change uh, the setup on a fender select HSS strat Reese resort there, uh, to find a good tech. I would go to Tim at atomic guitars. So, uh, reach out to Tim at atomic guitar works. Uh, tell Tim that I sent you, he will take care of you. He's amazing. He did the neck repair video. If you want to see some of his work, uh, on the sharp max, he repaired the Epiphone neck that was uh, destroyed. And then let's go to a non-pin question real quick. Hold on a second. Wow, you guys are moving faster now. Uh, uh, Ryan wants to know, hey, uh, just a weird question. Hey, did you ever sharpen the micro uh, base? Ibanez? No, we end up doing a sharpen my axe. Uh, we did a base. And um, we did something totally different with the Squire base. And because the question became, you know, the bass players wanted a video, a Sharp Max video about bass. And we thought, okay, well, then we're only going to appeal to bass players, which isn't, there's nothing wrong with that. But wouldn't it be great if we could appeal to everybody? We did something crazy. So um, the Sharp Max videos take forever to make. That's why they don't come out very fast. I watch a lot of YouTubers, they do these mod videos and stuff. But if you look at a Sharp Max video, if you really think about it for a second, the first beginning of the video is an unboxing video. That's one type of video. Then it's like a repair video. That's another type of video. Then it's a full review video at the end. You guys see a 28 minute video or 26 minute video. What you don't realize is that I did a three hours worth of, you know, of, of, of editing, um, 
or three hours worth of video. I have to edit all that down and to fit into that, but it's really three different videos. So it's like me creating three totally different videos and then editing them together and then chopping to make sense. The Melissa video, when I did that, uh, I think we had eight hours total or something of content or something. I don't know, some crazy number, but it took uh, the Melissa video. So, you know, took six hours on a Monday of editing. And then I came back on Tuesday and it did about another five hours. So there you go. That was a lot of editing, just the editing. So that's what takes so long. Okay. Um, and I wish I had a different way to doing this We're, I'm working on the problem right now. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing. We, we, first problem was, you know, getting some help from some sponsorships. We did that. We got some sponsorship help and now I got help to do it. So we're doing it. We're coming along really good. So, uh, yeah, Dale said, hey, you do a fantastic job in the Sharp Max videos. You know what's Dale? What's great about the Sharp Max videos is this, um, is that I, I don't care how many views they get. What I notice is, is that's the videos you guys seem the most be impassioned about. You, and when people come up to me, it's always that, right? It's always the live show or the Sharp Max videos. I can do all these other videos, and no matter how many views they get, no one ever comes up to me and goes, man, five things I didn't know about a strat or whatever video I did. It's always, hey, I like the live show. I like hanging out with you on Fridays. I appreciate hearing that or it's, Hey, I like the sharp max. So again, the sharp max video series are not going to ever go away, uh, for, well, not ever, but they're not going away. The problem is, is just, they're not coming very quickly. Um, so we have, like I said, we have multiples in production at all time and we'll go from there. Uh, somebody says, come on, Phil, move on. All right. What do you want to talk about next? Give me another question. Uh, Okay, here's a question. I don't know the answer. I'm going to try and answer it. Lee Foster says, hey, Phil, love the show. Uh, thank you. Fall, uh, fellow vet, all right, from Arizona. All right. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate uh, Thank you for your service. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. Uh, it says, my Epiphone Les Paul has crazy hum, much more than single coils. Grounding seems okay. What else should I check? Um, well, you got to understand, I, the, the thing you can also check is just because you have humbuckers doesn't mean they're in humbucker mode. Somebody could have wired them before you. I've even seen a guitar, not, you know, not an Epiphone, but I've seen a guitar come to the factory wired wrong. I, I've seen it at least once, maybe more, but I've seen once where a guitar comes with humbuckers where they wired them in single coil mode, <laughs> right? Um, they coil split them and that was the default position on them. So that's something you want, want to check. Um, that should be pretty easy to do. You should be able to take a light metal object like a flathead screwdriver and uh, tap on each coil, each uh, row of coils on the humbucker and make sure you're getting sound from both sides. That's something you can check. And um, with this kind of stuff, with these kind of troubleshooting things, uh, the, you know, the KISS method, keep it simple, uh, stupid, right? Kind of logic. Uh, don't overthink these things. I find every time somebody brings me something like that, I always I start going crazy trying to figure out the problem. And most of the time it's something as simple as, Oh wow, this was engaged wrong, or this is just flipped or there is a ground. Um, but you're just because all the grounds are connected doesn't mean all there's all the grounds are there. So again, you're going to have to look at a schematic and make sure. So especially with a lot of crazy hum. And again, you got to make sure that the wire is touching that bridge post. Cause that's a big thing too. So go through the, make sure double check your work when it comes to the ground. Um, you know, measure twice, cut once kind of thing. Make sure you're double checking all the grounds, make sure that's good. But also, like I said, let's make sure that those humbuckers are literally in the right, wired in the right way correctly. That's another thing I would definitely check to get out of the way. So uh, let's do another pin question here. Uh, let's see. Bruce says, Bruce wants to know neck shape versus uh, fret job for easy playing. Uh, I don't understand that question. That one you might got me on one. It says neck shape versus fret job. But I think... Uh, I think we kind of talked that. 
you said fretboard is more is it more important than shape so i'm going to say this is the same kind of question uh the next shape versus so next shape when you say neck shape now i'm thinking like is it a v-neck or a c-neck or is it thicker is it thinner um for me it's always going to be the fret work you know what's great is i watched a cool interview with john mayer and he said this thing that i thought was really profound he was saying that when a when a guitar feels right nothing else matters and what he mean by that was it doesn't matter if it's seven and a quarter radius or the neck is thick or you know or if it's a, this kind of bridge versus that kind of bridge i i found the same thing to be true when the when the guitar plays right when you know when it feels right it doesn't matter um the 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 if it doesn't you know like i said i prefer medium jumbo frets but you know if you have vintage fret wire on a guitar and it just plays amazing it just plays amazing so but for me i'm always going to be more focused on the frets than i am on the neck feel because um a good example is uh, uh one of the reviews i have coming out on an inexpensive guitar the fret work was just so bad that i just couldn't get past it you know what i mean it was so rough <laughs> you know what i mean it just doesn't matter so uh you know and it, here's a good example you can give me a comfortable neck but if the frets are sprout out and cut in my hand I, I you know i just can't get past that uh james hey james what's up james uh shackleford says uh, with fender pushing their affordable player series of guitars wouldn't you think they would do better job on the frets feel rough uh, uh turn me away okay james that that is what i find with that is that is when yeah <laughs> so what he's talking about is a fender has a affordable line of players guitars and that is oh i have one up there my mine is up up high i don't know if i can see the bottom of it there's this that red one right there that's my player strat um which is a made in mexico strat my friends were great but yes i keep hearing from comments over and over again because i did that review that the people are getting with the bad fret work uh you know could be the new guy could be you know they making too many too fast it could be that they're not drying the wood correctly there's a ton of things that go into that um but yes their fret work should be perfect you know this is an argument that i i've, I've had uh and i i love it it's um Paul, again, I'm quoting Paul Reed Smith, but just because I thought it was a great quote. He said, a customer should never be quality assurance. In other words, that's not who should be telling you the guitar is wrong. If they're telling you the guitar is wrong, the mistake is, is obviously has already been made. Your quality assurance should be stopping the customer from seeing it. And I love that saying because to me, I, I've said this before, to me, when I think about great quality guitars, one of the companies that pops in my head a lot is Schecter Guitars. And the reason is, is because uh, it's very new. Don't tell me used guitars. Don't tell me you picked up a used Schecter guitar. I'm talking about new. Most of the time when you pick a new Schecter guitar up, it is great. And the reason it's great is because Schecter does this thing that I think is really smart when they QA them in Long Beach from, from when they get them from Indonesia and Korea. They take the, the ones that are not up to, to snuff, they B-stock them and ship them to a retailer. Or somebody buys them, I guess, in New York and buys them all, right? Somebody buys them all. And um, what I love about that is it's a perfect example, right? It's, it's their filtering, right? It's a filtering process. So to answer James, your question is, yes, you, they should do a better job because that's my whole argument. Uh, a guitar should not come with bad frets at almost any price point we as musicians are very accommodating because we understand that making guitar is not the easiest thing in the world and we kind of make accommodations for it but yes uh, to me at certain price points the fit and finish should be the thing that should be paramount and here's a good example of that you would never buy a brand new car and 
and expect, you know, and just because the stereo is really nice and the brakes don't work, go, well, you know, what did I expect for the price? At every price, every car's brakes better work, <laughs> right? There's So that's the argument I have with guitars. As, you know, I mean, besides maybe just the $99 guitars, I don't know, at some price, certain things should be right, like fret work. That should be the thing. Um, I've said this, I've said this once to, um, to, to the guys at Fender at Squire, when I was talking about their, their three quarters guitars, they were saying that it's, it's hard to make a three quarters guitar affordable for students. And I said, well, you know, they're students. Why don't you take two of the pickups out, two of the knobs out, take the electronics out and just do the frets right and get better tuners on there. My argument is why, why manufacturers sometimes will put two pickups and do all the stuff and do a fancy veneered wood top. You're like, well, just give them basic flat black finish, but give them the right feel. Because again, as musicians, I think the luxury should be the aesthetics, right? The guitar should feel great no matter what. And then as you go up in price, you get better aesthetics. You get the guitar gets better looking or maybe has better components. But so that's just my feeling on that. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but, uh, and, and I've heard a ton of analogies and one of them stuck with me was, you know, if you bought an, an Apple iPad and it, uh, and it didn't work, you wouldn't go, well, what do you expect for 500 bucks? You know what I mean? You expect it to work the same with the guitar. A guitar should come out of the box and it should play. That's what you should do. That's his job is to play. So yes, I think they should focus on that. Um, but that being said, that's why we want to be a little educated to be able to do some minor repairs because, Sometimes you have to decide what, what's worth fixing, what's worth not fixing. And uh, and you make that decision yourself. I have to do the same thing. Sometimes I buy a guitar and sometimes I'll, I take it down to the shop and I work on it. And sometimes I buy a guitar and I'm just not having it. Usually it has to do with price with me <laughs> or and my, and how busy I am. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, if I know I can't get to it for two weeks, I'm not buying a new guitar and then waiting two weeks to play it just because it needs work. So um, what else do we got? Oh, shut up. Let's talk says, how do I file down jumbo frets to medium jumbo frets? Oh, you can do it. Uh, it's, but it's up to you. I mean, that's a crown and level. You can crown and level them down and round them over. Eventually they'll become medium jumbo, <laughs> right? Um, that, that, that's, that's part of that. Um, however, you know, if that's something you're going to do here, here's the problem I have. So, you know, shut up, let's talk. I, I, this is a, this is a difference between what I would do and what I can recommend you to do. What I could recommend you to do is crown and level them until your medium jumbos. Me personally, I would rip them out and just put medium jumbos in because I can probably refret a guitar as fast as I can crown and level a guitar when it's something like that, depending on how crazy the fretboard is. Like if it doesn't have bound and if it's not, you know what I mean? It's no, you know what I mean? If it's a bound fretboard, it takes a little bit more time, but I, I don't know. I would probably refret it more than I would crown and level it, but you can crown and level it down. So, I mean, think of this, they inevitably have jumbo frets as they become medium jumbo frets and those medium jumbo frets become very, very small frat, flat frets. <laughs> they never become vintage frets because they're always going to be wider than a vintage threat, which is a vintage fret, which is very narrow. So, but I mean, they become the height of that. Okay. What else do we got? Okay, so Jeff's got a question. Oh, wait, hold on. Ryan's got a question first. Ryan's question was, have you seen the new Tosin Abasi guitars? Your thoughts? I'm planning on getting the eight string. I've seen the new Tosin guitars. I have not played them. These are the new ones you're talking about that Grover Jackson's building for them. Um, I played the ones that uh, Falbo had made. And uh, they were great. 
There, we played prototypes. Me and Nathan, we helped build the uh, the Abasi booth. We were walking by the, the Nam show where they de debuted Abasi, and they hadn't built their booth and needed some helps, and we were help, and uh, we we helped. We helped put it together. Um, but uh, those were great. I would imagine Jackson's are, are great because Grover is a, obviously a master luthier. Uh, love the idea of the guitars. I really like that telly looking one. That one's sick, right? If I was going to get one, that's the way I'm going to go. Um, but uh, I haven't been thinking about them mostly because I'm, you know, I'm not not in the market for one right now. But mostly, I would imagine they're really back ordered uh, guitars. I'd have to look into that. But uh, so I've seen them. My thoughts are they're cool. I love Tosin. Um, I I have a Tosin shirt that he gave me. Uh, I did the how do you say their name? You know, I did Tosin Abasi, but Tosin gave us a shirt uh, for helping building the booth and stuff. Uh, great guy, super nice, nicest dude, super talented. Uh, nothing but good thoughts. Um, and uh, um, but like I said, if I was gonna get a bossy, I get that Telly six string. Uh, Jeff Harper says twenty five or twenty five hundred dollar. I think he's saying twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred dollar Gibson Les Paul versus Epiphone Les Paul with fifty seven classic humbuckers for eight fifty. Maybe not everyone wants a Gibson due to the cost. Thoughts? Um, well, that's an easy question, right? Do you want a Gibson? That to me, the Epiphone Gibson question is the same as the Squire versus Fender question. Okay, you can argue obviously very easily that the Gibson is a higher quality or it has lacquer and all those things. But ultimately, what it always will come down to is what do you want and what do you need? If you need a Les Paul style, Les Paul style guitar, then, you know, an Epiphone's great. You should do that. If you want a Gibson, here's my my experience says you will buy five Epiphones and then eventually buy a Gibson. If you want a Gibson, buy a Gibson. It'll You'll always continue to buy guitars until you get there. The same thing happens. Uh, when I did the Five Squires Are Better Than Fender video, and those comments alone, the one of the comments that I, I totally understand is when somebody says, but a Squire is not a Fender. If you think that, which is fine, then that's your answer. You can't own the Squire. There you go. Same thing. If you think an Epiphone is not a Gibson, well, then then don't buy an Epiphone, buy the Gibson. If you think an Epiphone is good enough for you, then buy the Epiphone. Uh, but that's the that's that's what it comes down to. The $2,500 versus $850, you understand that there, you can argue quality. The, the problem with the quality argument every time is the quality. A Gibson is better than Epiphone. I believe that. It just is. I don't know, and I can't show you or justify or kind of make an argument that it's, you know, two and a half times better. I can't, I just can't make that argument because I can't quantify its betterness. <laughs> right. Uh, and nobody can, I'm sure, you know, everybody will throw a good argument in there, but no one will actually get you there. So here's the easy answer. If you want a Gibson, you get a Gibson. If you want an Epiphone, you get the Epiphone. Um, uh, I like both for different reasons. And like most people, I don't like that the Epiphone doesn't have the same headstock as Gibson. I think that's normal for most players to have that kind of a, a thing. That's why Squires don't bug me as much because they have the Fender headstock. If Epiphone had the same headstock as Gibson, I don't know. But I don't know. Over time, it bugs me less. So there you go. Uh, let's do this one. Bruce says, uh, why are ground wire solid core versus st strand stranded? Uh, I hope he means... Wire, ground wire, solid. Um, uh, I think he means versus like braided, right? So braided wire. The question is why is, uh, so you know, they're both. Depends on your guitar. Some manufacturers will use a solid wire, uh, you know, one core wire for for uh, uh, soldering, or not soldering, <laughs> for ground. Some will use braided. I've seen both. 
Um, I couldn't even argue that one is over the other. So I'm sure whatever you're looking at, you're seeing the core wire more uh, as the ground than the braided. But I think I've seen as many braided, if not more braided than core. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know necessarily that there is any argument because uh, I don't know if grounding has res any kind of resistance or anything like, you know, that braiding can affect to me. It's like once it touches, it's, it's more of a, just, it kills the circuit or it's, you know, it, it defeats. So I would imagine, uh, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> uh, so there, there you go. Uh, but you can use both. I use both for grounding stuff. It depends on what I'm doing. Uh, for a lot of times when I'm doing uh, wiring, I'll use uh, cloth braided wire. And so for ground wire, I'll use a cloth, black cloth braided wire. Um, I buy big spools of it and that's what I use. How are we doing on time? We're doing good. We got a couple more minutes. Let's, uh, ah, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy bite. I don't know. Jimmy, Jimmy says solid breaks easier. Um, you, you know, you could be right. Uh, the, the idea uh, sure from flexing and stuff, it breaks might be less. That could be an argument, right? Uh, to me, once it goes in the cavity, it shouldn't be moving. So I understand, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, the, there's obviously more flex in the braided. So I would imagine in, in something they think is going to be moving, definitely do the braided. If it's not moving, maybe the core wire is fine. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I use both, but I don't use a whole lot of core wire for grounding. Uh, George says you should get at least two Epiphones for 850 or less. What idiot would pay much more for that Epiphone? Um, uh, George, uh, you know, I can only tell you this, man. I was just at uh, a guitar store this week looking at Epiphones, and I, I was a little shocked, but yeah, they were 800 bucks. The ones I was looking at were all six and $800. Used, there was a bunch of three. <laughs> 250 350 uh the one i liked actually was used was 375 or 325 something like that but yeah 800 man that was like i was i was a little taken back too but that's the new world man it's a you know a, a, i try to follow my own advice but it's hard so i mean i don't want to be preachy and tell you guys one thing and not do it but man you shouldn't get mad about price increases because they're inevitable that being said, I get mad about them all the time, <laughs> but at least I got to say that not only to you guys, so you know it, but also remind myself price increases are inevitable. Everything goes up in price. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so yeah, every time I turn around, I'm like, I can't believe that's what something costs, but that's what it is. It is never going to stop. Uh, Rock Daddy 44 says, help. My wife is sick of the boxes for the gear that I have accumulated concerned <laughs> you lose out on the resale value without the original packaging ah uh, that's a good uh, you know that's you're not wrong man well first of all having the box is nice for shipping that helps and uh my find my experience is that boxes are about collecting stuff right collectors i don't really necessarily i've never bought a piece of used gear and go do you have the original box for it uh pedals maybe but not, not but again for collecting like if you have the original box for let's say a king of tone pedal that's probably better than not having it uh i don't keep the boxes so i can only tell you that i, I will tell you uh rock daddy 44 i did a video a long time ago about a year and a half ago about this i will say this again i don't keep cases and i don't keep boxes um i have very few guitar cases i i, I have uh like gig bags i have one gig bag for all my guitars uh, not one but one type and i put all my guitars in it and the reason is is this this is a piece of advice i can tell you my wife says i'm 100 right so i don't know so since this is about her i say wives don't count guitars and they don't count amps but they will count guitar cases and boxes so if you have five guitars they don't say you have five guitars they see five guitar cases in the closet 
So I have learned that without the cases or the boxes or the evidence, and I think it's because this, this is pretty. <laughs> they don't care about it, but at least it's nice. When they go in the garage and it's just stacked full of boxes, that's that's just, it's wasted room or you have cases. So that's my experience. So I get rid of cases if I don't need them. If I'm keeping the guitar, I get rid of them. I get rid of the boxes. That's the, uh, that's what I do. So, um, but please understand that if it, you do that and it devalues your resale and stuff, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what I do. That's how I do it. Uh, oh, uh, Blake says, Hey Phil, do you think toxicity is a problem in the online gear or guitar gear community, particularly concerning metal? Um, I think toxic, you know what toxic toxicity, uh, I was thinking of, uh, the band uh anyways uh do i think it's a problem no i think the internet is an interesting place because the fact that you know we talk about trolls and people putting you know horrible comments and stuff um you know i hear everything everybody's like you know people um you know uh because they're anonymous they say whatever they want here's what i really i think uh you know i, I have 45 million views i'm telling you that because 45 million views i can't even physically I can't, I can't show anyone the amount of horrible comments I've read about myself at this point. Um, it's probably more than, you know, I mean, there's probably people who have been in, in as, as celebrities 20, 30 years ago were celebrities for 20 years did not have to see the amount of horrible things I've seen. And, uh, and, and YouTubers and anybody who's in social media now that gets to see this stuff. So the question is, you know, that would make you pretty jaded pretty quick, right? Reading this stuff. But really what you end up doing is you try to understand it and it gets to you no matter what, but you at least try to understand it. And here's what I can tell you. I think a lot of times people are just really horrible writers. I think people don't know how to, uh, articulate a thought, uh, and they're really horrible, especially when it comes to writing. And, um, they type things that, they meant differently than it comes out. In fact, I notice a lot of times if I look at a troll comment that's really rude, I think to myself, if that guy was trying to be funny, you know, I think about it, was that trying to be funny? And I realized, yeah, it could also, as horrible as it sounded, it also could have played off as a joke, but without the inf uh, inflection of his voice, without his, his uh, you know, physical mannerisms, I can't tell. So what I'm saying is everything looks more toxic than it is, but it is toxic. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. It's pretty horrible out there, but it's not as horrible as everybody thinks. The question though is how do you handle it? And, um, you know, and that's the hard part, you know, cause it keeps coming no matter what you do and there's no way escaping it. So that's the, the beautiful part. We'll have horrible comments today. We'll have horrible comments tomorrow. So my advice to you, Blake is, um, this is the best. There's a thing, there's a saying called stinking thinking. Uh, some people who are in sales will know what this means. You know, when you do anything in life, just remember the people that you surround yourself with, they will be, they, the people you surround yourself with will create the environment you live in. Does that make sense? So when you read the good, bad comments, when you feel the toxicity in the gear community, seek out the good stuff. Not because don't ignore that there's bad stuff, but seek out the good stuff. Because like I said, it's just how you stay away from stinking thinking. I have to do the same thing. When I read a comment that's really bad, I have, luckily for me, I have a half a dozen good friends that I can reach out to and say, hey man. Whew. And what's great is instead of dwelling on it and talking about it, they're the ones that look at me and go, hey, yeah, but did you see the new movie? Are you right? They know how to get me out of stinking thinking. Get Find people, get you out of stinking thinking. Find places that get you out of that. It's the only way it survives and, uh, and, uh, and we'll all keep doing it. Cause I'm still doing it too. Um, HK says, Hey, Phil, could you recommend a pickup for a Martin D 28? Um, or over 
or over a range of prices, uh, price points. Um, you know, like pop-in pickups for a D28, uh, whether you want to do an under saddle pickup or if you just want to do one of those pop-in sound hole pickups. Um, there's a ton of good pickups out there. I always like the lace pickup, but to be honest with the pickup I probably used was the Woody by Seymour Duncan for pop-in. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of recommendations for that. So, um, because it's a Martin D28, I just would stay with it because it's a Martin D28. Don't drill holes in it, man. So I, if you have to put a, a transducer pickup, I would just do a one hole underneath the bridge, put the transducer in, run it out to the, to the output jack of the, uh, of the strap button and do it that way. I wouldn't drill holes in your Martin D28, uh, just because, uh, that's what I would do, but I would do a pop and sound hole pickup. And there's a ton of those choices and don't be afraid of those. I, I find, uh, in most cases, they sound better than the transducer pickups that we try and install. In fact, I think a lot of times they, they smoke it. I think the reason we don't use them is because they aesthetically they don't look that great. Um, uh, yes. Uh, and just on a side note, guitar OCD says it is toxic, but I would have thought it would uh, have been worse also. Yeah. Yeah. It could always be worse, but I think it's good overall. You know, again, uh, you know, that's why when I make videos, I try to make them as positive as possible. Everybody's like, Oh, what are you always in a good mood? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I make videos cause I'm, I became in tune with the fact that after I started making videos, uh, that people are watching this for entertainment. They're trying to get out of there. We're not trying to, trying to talk about the other stuff. We're trying to talk about this stuff, right? This is, you know, that's what happens, uh, you know, when you own a music store, you realize people walk in there, they're not there to talk about the politics that day. I was weirded out when I go in a music store and they're talking about the things that I trying to get away from. <laughs> so I, I went to a music store to talk about gear. Uh, James uh, says, uh, earlier this week, I saw a smart vibrating metronome that works on an app with pulses. Oh, yeah, 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 the sound uh, breener. Uh, uh, so you feel the timing gives you control of the rhythm. Yeah, James, I did a review of that. It's a, I'll put a link when I do the indexing. It's a five uh, things video I did. The sound breener was a watch and I did a giveaway. We gave it away uh, to, I think, a patron or it might have been a viewer. I don't remember. I just remember we, we did the giveaway for it because it's a $100 watch. It was really cool, man. I really liked it. Um, in fact, um, it was one of those things that I had agreed to do the giveaway before I got it. And uh, if I hadn't had committed myself to giving it away, I would have kept it. So because it was cool, I was like, oh, you know, it was one of those things like, okay, back in the box and there it goes. Um, but, you know, I try to, you know, you can't keep everything the company send you. You just can't. Uh, you know, it's, it's, everybody's like, it sounds great, but it's like stuff stacks up and what are you going to do with it? So you do try to do, we do giveaways, we do patron giveaways, uh, do donations, you know, right. Stuff like that. Sometimes we would sell the stuff and we use the money in the channel. Uh, but I always try to predetermine that before we, we know it's going to happen. Small stuff like that. Companies generally will send you and leave it with you because it's, uh, it's not worth it for them to ship it back. And I'm not paying out of my own pocket to ship something back. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, that a company's like, Hey, want to check this out? The, the idea is hopefully that they'll pay the to and from shipping. So that's usually the idea. Um, because so anyone doesn't put a comment later, um, the return shipping on 99% of the items that you review costs more than what the video makes. So that's why you can't do it. You can't ship $40 item back and make $28 in a video. It just doesn't make sense. Um, uh, Michael D says tip jar. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, wish me luck mounting a string swing, uh, multi-guitar hanger tonight based on your ongoing praise of the company. Thanks for all you do, man. Easy. Hey, Michael, what's up, man? Uh, the, uh, hold on a second. Let me go. Uh, so, uh, easy enough, man. Just if you can hit a stud, that's ideal. If not use the anchors, you'll be happy. Um, so that's, that's, you should, uh, you should be good. Don't hang off of it though. 
Shane Galvin. By the way, I still praise String Swing. That's all I use, uh, and I'll keep saying that. I have no sponsorship deals with them. They don't pay me um, any of that stuff. Uh, They are great. They're made in the USA. Um, The owners are fantastic. The company is amazing. Uh, They're just, uh, you know, salt of the earth people who, who I don't have any employees they have. I think they're like, I don't want to say, because I don't want to be, you know, I don't know if it's a dozen or half dozen or two dozen, but it's not a lot of people making this stuff and making quality stuff. And it's the only thing I hang my guitars on. And uh, that's my recommendation. And that is a great recommendation because like I just mentioned, I'm not sponsored uh, or, you know, I'm not sponsored by everything, but I have been offered by tons of companies to sponsor other wall hangers and all kinds of guitar hangers and stands. And I won't even consider it. It's just those guys. And if I, and it, trust me, if I could reach out to string string for a sponsor, but great, except for I already own all their stuff. So I don't know what, you know, the sponsorship would be just give me more of what I have. So that's how much I like their stuff. So, uh, Shane says, how hard is it to refret a guitar with stainless steel frets? Um, it's, it's hard because it's, it's, it's a nightmare on your tools. Um, the, the problem with stainless steel frets, well, first of all, um, the biggest thing is, uh, if it's your first refret, I don't know if I would pick stainless steel to do it. Um, because two reasons, one, it's not hard in the idea that it's difficult. It's hard on your tools, your files, you, you know, it's a hard material. So it's physically physically hard so it kind of wears your file frets out or your files out i'll go through a a a crowning file in a fret job on a stainless steel set which is why a lot of people who do stainless are free frets will charge you a lot more for stainless steel because they know they're going to kind of count in a a file as a part of the cost if it doesn't kill your file it's got you halfway there so that's one of the problems the other problem is of course that they're not very forgiving because they're very hard there you go but I, I don't have a problem with the refretting them. It's just like I said, when you're, when you're uh, filing on them, you know what, they're harder material. So they, they kind of go through. So there you go. It's not that it's, but a lot of people charge. I think most people charge way more than I think it probably takes to do it. But there you go. Uh, Chuck M music says, Hey Phil, I bought a 2011 American Strat deluxe for nine ninety nine thousand bucks. Okay. Oh, that's a good deal for American Strat deluxe. Uh, I bought mine for 14. So you got a good deal. Uh, what, uh, but when I bought, when I brought it home, I realized it had aftermarket pickups, not noiseless. I like the sound, but will it hurt the value of the guitar? No. In my experience, the pickups that are in a Fender guitar really never really affect the value uh, on on a guitar that's not vintage. Uh, and it's a 2011, man. I mean, let's be honest. Vintage is going to be a long way away for us on a 2011. Um, and what I mean is not how physically old it is, but for the value of that to come up. So I don't think so. I don't think it's going to hurt it at all. That you know, and you can get the actual pickups for it if you need to put them in. So you could do that. You don't have to do that. Um, if it makes you feel any better, Chuck, uh, my American Strat Deluxe, which is my um, uh, my purple one, uh, has the um, what are in there? They're the noiseless, but I don't know if they're the intus or the vintage. I'm yanking them out. I don't like them. I'm going to probably put in Demargios. Not sure yet. So there you go. I'm not worried about it. I'm yanking mine out. Uh, I've tried to like them and just they're not, I'm not bought into the pickups. Not doing it. So they're good. They're not great. That's how it works. Uh, last question. Last super chat question. Okay, here we go. By the way, Doc8404 just did a super chat just to say he did two of them. I don't think he meant to do two, buddy. Oops, forgot to add text. Okay, there it is. Um, and it says, uh, do you know a reliable luthier in Salt Lake City area, Utah in general? I don't, but 
luckily for us, we're all over the place. If somebody is in Salt Lake U uh, City or area or Utah, could you guys put any recommendation you have? I would really appreciate that for Doc84. Um, and uh, Doc, what I'll do later is if I notice it, I will pin it. When I pin the index, I will pin the, the answer to that to this question. Okay. So, so guys, if you know, do some research out there. You know, if you guys are great, help them out. Uh, it's always great. And then also, Doc, because um, you did it twice, if I can see how to refund one, I'll see how I can kick it back. If not, I'll, I'll figure something out. Maybe we'll do something for you, send you something. Um, uh, Rick USA, Rico USA says, uh, I am planned to build, I'm planning to build an IS, uh, an ISO box. So an isolated speaker box. Um to record my cabs and combos, do you have an ISO box? Uh, is it airtight? Is it vented? Any good sources to find plans uh, to build on? Do you think it sounds better than a simple mic amp in the room? I didn't like the ISO box. Um, I tried the Randall one. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know. I've heard that was a really good one. I didn't like the ISO box. It didn't. I needed an ISO box because when I was doing the videos, I was experimenting with that idea. You know, like wouldn't it be great if I was in the room? A lot of times when people are watching my review videos, they'll tell me I have too much reverb. And what they don't realize is, is that when I record my video reviews, I mic the amp up and that goes to one recording source. And then I lapel or sh or sometimes shotgun, but mostly I lapel my, my, my voice. And that's another track. And then what happens is, obviously, when I'm talking, the amp uh, is muted out. And then when I go to play, I mute my 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 vocal mic out. And what happens is, when I stop playing and I start talking, sometimes I don't wait long enough in the video, and so the I have to blend in my voice. And my 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 lapel mic picked up the reverb in the room. So, you know, this is such a big deal. If you look at the old Anderson videos, they used to have the same problem with like a compression kind of sound because the same thing, they were doing it the same way. They now have switching systems and they're all like super awesome because they're androgens and they got lots of money to do this stuff. I, I, I don't have the, the, the money and the, and the editing time to do that kind of stuff. So it's a little tricky for me. So I wanted to really start recording the amps out of, a, out of the room or an isolated box. The ISO box did not work for me. So, you know, as a recording source, um, I personally felt that if you're going to do that ISO box, I thought just using IRs and doing it that way worked better and just doing the virtual way seemed to work as good as that. That was my experience, uh, Rico, Rico USA. Uh, you know, you know, like, like I said, your mileage may vary. I don't know if you have the same experience as me, but that was my experience. Before I would do the money into that, I would, I would do an IR. But I don't know. Like I said, but I'd love to hear it if you try it and and, uh, and you love it. Let me know because maybe I'll try it again. But that was not my favorite experience. Uh, BK just did a super chat for no reason. I appreciate that, BK. That was awesome. And on that note, I'll do, uh, we'll do, take the last non-question. Uh, okay. And, oh, uh, Griffin GTR says Fishman makes the best sound hole pickup. I love the Fishman sound hole pickup as well. Like I said, I, sound hole pickups, there's not a whole lot that I don't like. Uh, Dean Markley makes a good one. You know, some of the cheap ones are good. Some of the expensive ones are good. I've tried them all at some point and I, none of them like was like, Oh, this is horrible. Um, and so on that note, which we did pretty good. We did a, we did a little long today. Uh, we did an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, two quick questions. Um, 
First one is, uh, Steve wants to know, thoughts on the Stumac Golden Age electronics. I've uh, installed a bunch of their pickups in some of the Sharp Max videos, um, and everything I've installed so far I liked. Everything from the, the Stumac guys have been pretty good. As we know, I don't think Stumac ever has to worry about quality. Stumac's always, there's always a, um, what do you call it, an objection, right? Everybody always has an objection to something. Stumac's objection is always going to be price. You know, Stumac's on the higher end price side of everything. Very rarely does Stumac make uh, bad stuff. And my personal experience with Stumac has been, that when they do make something that's not that great, it doesn't stay very long. It's like discontinued and gone. That's why sometimes you're like, oh, that's gone. And like those guys are really on top of, you know, making sure the quality is always there. So uh, that's my experience. They did ask me, so you know, if I was interested in reviewing some of their completed uh, Golden Age electronic kits. Unfortunately, at the time, I had already agreed to, to do a review of their uh, amp because I'm doing that, a, a box, amp box. And we we took a, uh, some of their equipment for some of the Sharp Max videos we did. And we're going to do reviews of that. I just, I don't have the time to do all this stuff. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's tough when they're asking you this stuff. So they asked me to review that stuff. I didn't say no. I just said not now. So eventually we'll get that stuff this is tough the, the stumac guys have been very cool about you know uh asking me if i want to review stuff and and it's great but again you know there you go uh okay so uh on that last note i will read the last question which is huh uh All right, we're going to go with this one. It's a bass question. Uh, Bugs Bunny Brother says, what's a good short-scale bass for under 500 bucks? My favorite short-scale bass for under 500 bucks is the Squire Jazzmaster short-scale bass. It comes in red, gray, or black. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, I had the micro bass from Ibanez, and that didn't stay as nice as that was. I really, really prefer the Squire one by far. Um, that was my favorite, so I would go with that. Although I'm going to be reviewing or supposed to be reviewing the new 32 inch scale Ibanez's haven't seen them yet. So I can't tell you, but until then I'm going to definitely say the Squire because, uh, that one's under $300 or it's like three thirty ish, whatever. Definitely awesome. I still have mine. Still love it. Can't beat it for the price. And I would definitely put it in. If I, if I'm, uh, yeah, if I do a five Squires that are better than Fender's base video, that's a, uh, there you go. So, oh, overview effect says Ibanez Mizo, which is uh, Mezzo, Mizo, uh, 32 scale bass is better in his opinion. Uh, that's great to know because, like I said, I plan to review that and then I can give you, you know, if I concur or whatever. Obviously, uh, I have no reason to doubt it because I like 32 scale inch bass better than short scale. And, you know, Ibanez makes great stuff. So, so, and then last note, just because it ties into the last thing we talked about, Brian Stewart said, What kills me with Stu Mac is the shipping. I only live an hour away. Yeah, they're shipping. Uh, that's definitely, if I was going to say the number one complaint, I see everybody with uh, Stumac is the shipping. Um, I never really get the complaint too much for me because um, most of the time I buy Stumac stuff, I do it for work. So you guys understand Stumac sends me stuff, but only for the videos. You know what I mean? So they do it for the videos. Um, so when I'm buying stuff for like my personal use or for when uh, I'm doing, you know, repair Luthier work. I, I buy it just like everybody else, but I usually buy a lot of it. So what I've noticed with Stu Mac, it's not the shipping price that kills you. It's the price to dollar amount that kills you. So like if I buy, uh, like I'll buy $600 worth of stuff, you know what I mean? Cause I need like, you know, everything from fret wire to, you know, to, to, you know, more files, more sanding. I mean, just throw rolls of sanding paper. I go through those like crazy. I think those are like 60 bucks a roll or something like that. So, I mean, it, it's adds up. It's not hard to get a $500 ticket if you're doing, you know, 
doing repair at Stu Mac. And then it's like $30 to ship. It's not great, but it's not horrible. But yeah, man, the, the, when you're trying to order a $5 thing and it's $10 in shipping, that's pretty crazy. Cause it's like $10 no matter what with shipping to them. And that's the thing. Um, and the reason I thought I'd bring that up is we'll index it and you never know. You never know. Maybe the Stu Mac guys can hear us talking about this. Maybe they'll, they'll think about this. I think they should create a, a cheaper shipping alternative. That would be awesome. And that being said, we're going to, uh, Oh, Mike's, uh, Sokola says sign up for Stu Mac max club, annual membership, free shipping for 12 months. Okay. I didn't even know that. You know, what's funny. Thanks Mike. I I'll look into that because like I said, I I'm pretty, I spent a lot with those guys and I didn't know about that. So I'll have to see if that makes sense for me. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. If you join the club, you get free shipping. Well, what? But how much is, all right, we'll, we'll look into it. Maybe we can talk about that next week. All right, guys, on that note, I'm going to let you go so I can edit up the GNL video. I'm very excited about it. It's uh, very exciting. Uh, and of course, I'll review the Dr. Z. We'll be, uh, I use that in the video as well, but we'll do a separate review. And as always, guys, thank you guys for hanging out. A little long one today, but I, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys did too. Until next Friday, I guess I'll say thank you and know your gear.